What's good, everybody? Welcome into the Mid-State 48. My name is Chris Brooks. Thanks for joining us here on 615 Preps. We're getting you ready for the 2021 football season in Middle Tennessee. And we start with a preview show of some of the lower classes in Division One Tonight, we're going to have Class 1A, 2A, and 3A. And we'll have 4A and 5A later on in the week. want to bring on the guys with me to introduce themselves. Gentlemen, welcome in. Good to be here. Good to be here, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who are, who are familiar with us, you remember Scott from last year. But Tom's our newest guy. Tom, let's uh, get the intro out of the way right now. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you came to be the third man in. Well, I, my name is Tom Duggan, and I've been covering sports for, oh gosh, it sounds so bad now, but almost 30 years, I guess, in Middle Tennessee, and uh, uh, worked with uh, WJLE Radio, covered DeKalb County Sports for a long time, and uh, the Smith will review on top of that, and then uh, uh, worked for about the last uh, 11 years with DTC Sports, uh, covering some teams in the Upper Cumberland region, and uh, uh, guys, I'll tell you what, I'm excited about 615 preps, and uh, you know it's going to be an exciting season, and one thing I'm just proud about, um, so far, so good. Everything seems normal. Looks like we're right on track to, to get a normal football season, and fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed for sure. Now, I don't know if you know what normal is around here, but. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> normal in our bag, baby. <laughs> we don't do normal around here at 615 Preps. That's just part of our DNA. So, you know. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> we're glad to have you, and we appreciate you coming on and helping us out this year. It's, it's good to have your expertise and your experience in here. And Thank you. It'll be a fun year. Um Scott, welcome back. Thanks, Chris. Uh, welcome back to you. <laughs> Good to be here for 2021. I mean, th this this looks to be a fun year around Middle Tennessee for a lot of reasons. I mean, honestly, having a normal run-up to the year has certainly made it a lot better to get ready for the season because it, it feels good. It just feels good to have some sort of normalcy in the preseason like we have had the last few weeks. Yeah, I, I tell you, you go out to uh, – cover a scrimmage you go out to uh to to watch a practice and you can tell everybody is really geeked up to to get out there again uh i, I mean as much as you can really enjoy uh, running sprints or you know <laughs> doing any of that work uh but you could tell the kids were you know appreciative of uh actually just being able to get out there and you know i tell you i was appreciative of being able to be out there yeah for sure and I'll tell you what, guys, it's also good to see some fans out there in the stands. I mean, uh, that's one thing that, uh, boy, it seemed so strange last year, just uh, looking up at the stands and hardly anyone there. And uh, that, that, to me, is just makes it even more exciting seeing the folks back out at the, at the ball field. Yeah, and it seems like that we're on track to have, you know, fairly full stadiums if, if things continue as they are. Now, they could change, and, and we all know, you know, how the situation is going around with, with COVID and and all that stuff, but, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, we can get a full season in like normal. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, if, if there's anything we learned last year, it's a expect the unexpected, but B also these coaches and the administrators learned a little bit more about how to handle this. So hopefully they're getting plans together. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, that they're not throwing any roadblocks, so, you know, hopefully with, with good management and good good sense, you know, we'll have a, a good season. Yeah, you mentioned the coaches. That's one thing I take away from 2020 is their ability to move on the fly with so many games either getting moved around, canceled, or whatnot. 
they had to be very flexible and they had to be able to figure out how to make a plan on a dime. And we, we even saw games scheduled as late as the morning of and actually got them in. So they, I think they learned quite a bit about themselves more so than anything else last year. And learned how to communicate with each other. I think that yeah. was a, a big one. And yep. I was going to say, it was totally new for everybody. So credit a lot of these coaches for having to do things on the fly and experience a situation that no one had ever experienced before. So, again, you know, Scott, you touched on it. You know, they've learned how to handle this. The coaches have, the administration has. So, you know, we hope we don't see, you know, COVID spike like it did last year. We have the same kind of issues. But to the good of that, if we do see a spike this year, I think everyone's much more prepared to handle it this, this time around. And a lot of change for 2021, just the alignments themselves. And we'll get to a lot of those shortly. Uh, another big change is our final destination. No more going to Cookville for the championships. We're headed to Chattanooga for the Blue Cross Bowl in 2021 for the first of at least two years there. So going to be an exciting trip to go down there to the to the scenic city and uh, see those gold balls passed out at Finley Stadium at the campus of Chattanooga. But uh, we will miss Cookville just because, A, it was kind of close to us. And B, there's a little bit of a nostalgia about having that place in December, although the, the, the facility could have used some work, and it looks like they're going to try to work on it. It looks like they it, it's something that they, they needed the time. And, and two years ought to be enough time to get some repairs done, uh, to uh, change the way, uh, you, know, you know, change some of their, their bid proposals that didn't work out. And uh, and allow them to get back in it. I mean, two years is a good time. Uh, I'm interested to see how Chattanooga, uh, how Chattanooga hosts the city. It, it's exciting because it is right downtown, uh, just a little bit uh, down the street from the Chattanooga Choo Choo and the aquarium. It's going to be an exciting time for the families and the kids, I think. Yeah, we will be. We've got uh, 11 full weeks of regular season play and four weeks of playoffs before we get there, though. So uh, got a ways to go before we get down there. And then a lot of teams that are getting their eyes set on, on trying to get another goal ball and a lot of reclassification, a lot of moving around in regions and districts and uh, some new opponents for teams this year that, that are going to make things very interesting from the very start. So 2021 promises to be an intriguing year on a lot of fronts and to get started, let's go into Class 1A, and let's go ahead and just bring up Region 4, which begins our coverage area out east. Now, a lot of change here as Region 4 was a 16 region in 2020. It will no longer be that way. In fact, it was going to be a five-team region until a couple of days ago when Pickett County announced that they would not be fielding a varsity team for the next two years. They're no longer in contention for a playoff spot, and this region now goes from six teams in 2020 to four guys everybody's making the playoffs so what changes now that they're all knowing they're going to play an 11th game well it's well, kind of a shame for Pickett county i'll say off the top that uh, that they did have to drop football i know they've struggled with numbers the last few years and uh, uh they are planning to have a a junior varsity season this year and next year they did hire a new head coach and they're planning on pursuing that and hope to get back to uh, varsity in 2023 but uh you know, when I look at this, you feel good for Red Boiling Springs. You know how much uh, they have struggled in football over the years. And uh, I know, you know, in a lot of ways you may just want to play to get into the playoffs. But Red Boiling Springs, I think they'll take that playoff berth and they'll be tickled to death with it. One, two, and three. We know Gordonsville is going to be loaded this year. 
Clay County's been pretty good. Joe Burns has been as well. And uh, Scott, looking at that top three, though, I think there's going to be some pretty competitive ball games out of, out of the top three in that region. I, I, do, I do believe that uh, you're right there. Um, you know, I don't know that anything really changes with the, uh, you know, now they all make it other than the fact that, you know, as you know, as you go down, you might rest a person here, rest a person there. Uh, or you pay attention to injury a little bit more than if you were absolutely up against it. Uh, but uh, I agree with you, Tom. I think that the, the top three are, are going to be the key. Now, Gordonsville is king of the mountain right now. I think that Gordonsville is pretty tough. Uh, they got depth across the board, powerful offense. Uh, it's pretty much their reason, uh, region to, to lose, in my opinion. Look back at the 2020 standing for just a second. Monterey's exit and going to 2A really kind of clears a lot of spots up as well. We mentioned Red Bull Springs will be in the playoffs for just the second time ever and the first since 2014. Regardless of their record, they know they're going to play in November, and that's a big deal for such a small community like that. But let's talk back about Gordonsville for a second. Now, they actually defeated the defending state champions in Fayetteville last year. So, Coming to 2021, it would appear that they've got high hopes. The one team that might be standing in their way again would be South Pittsburgh. Uh, that's a formidable team, too. So, Yeah, South Pittsburgh, that, that's a robbery, guys. That thing's been going on for, for many, many years in the playoffs between those two. And, uh, I, you know, it's a great rivalry, really, and um, – you know, if you follow Gordonsville and South Pittsburgh football, they they I think they almost look forward to playing each other in the playoffs, and uh, they've kind of used one another as a measuring stick over the years. But but Chris, when you look at that Gordonsville schedule this year, man, that regular season schedule is going to be tough. They got Coalfield out there. You know, they play uh, Trousdale County. They've got, of course, intercounty rival Smith County. They'll lead off the uh, season with that. Watertown, Eagleville, that's just the non-region games. And I tell you what, Coach Clemens School, they're going to be ready to go come uh, playoff time. And Gordonsville is a team we're going to see a couple of times. You mentioned the Smith County game. That's a Saturday night game in week one, which the community is extremely hyped up about. They're going to have a big tailgate party beforehand in Gordonsville on Main Street. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Just small-town football is hard to beat on a night like that when you have that kind of atmosphere and a team that really is ready to go against the county rivals. So we'll be there that Saturday night, and we'll also see Gordonsville in one of our spotlight games against Eagleville later in the year to get them a little bit of love. So these key games, we bring them up just because really they're for playoff positioning. I mean, Joe Burns and Red Bull and Springs, the winner is going to have at least a three seed. I mean, and Joe Burns can play for number two at Clay County. And Clay County, Gordonsville, October 29th is going to be for the region title. Really, is just about playoff positioning now since they're all going to go. Right. So, Region 4 out of the way. Let's move to Region 5. Some more changes there this year, but let's look back at 2020. We mentioned Fayetteville a minute ago, the 1A state champion. Moore County finishing second. Mount Pleasant was in this region last year. They are no longer in Class 1A. They actually moved up and swapped spots with Eagleville, and that's we talked about just a moment ago some of these changes. Mount Pleasant and Richland up to 2A. Eagleville comes down into Region 5 for Class 1A. Collinwood and Wayne County move out. They go to or they move in, excuse me, from Region 6 to Region 5. Region 5 goes from six teams to seven. And here's how that looks like. And of course, it gets tougher when you add more teams into an alignment. And then you look over at 4 1A and you've got four teams. 
you know, it was six, but now it's down to four. All are going to the playoffs. And uh, I know some coaches, sometimes they get a little upset when they look across the board and, uh, hey, they've only got four teams in their region and we've got seven. But, uh, uh, you know, this is going to be a pretty tough alignment. I think Fayetteville is going to have a good chance to to be right in the mix again this year. Excuse me, guys. And uh, I, I just see a competitive battle for those top four spots here in 5-1-A this year. Yeah, the, the one good thing about Region 4 is they don't have to face these teams in the playoffs because that's on the other side of the bracket. So right. they'll be happy to, to avoid that trouble until possibly Cook, possibly being in Chattanooga. I tried to say Cookville again, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of those things we'll have to work on for 2021. Uh, we're just going to we're, we're gonna end up battling, like you said. We'll be that, battling that all, all it, season long. It's almost like at the start of a new year when you don't change the date to the right year. It's kind of like that almost. How, uh, how many checks do you have to to, to scratch out? If I if I wrote checks anymore, <laughs> well, that would be one thing. But uh, look at some of the key games in Region Five, and Eagleville is going to have a chance to do a lot of maneuvering, especially considering that the three of their key games are at home. Yeah, I think Eagleville's got a really good shot at finishing uh, finishing uh, two or three in this in this region. I think they. Uh, they and uh, uh, they they'll have a shot at that. Uh, I think Cornersville is going to be the uh, the team that uh, may be tough to beat there. We talk about a lot of quarterbacks in this area, and, and we didn't mention anybody in, in Region Four. I want to go back to this in a second. Uh, Matthew yeah. Alberton for Gordonsville, mm-hmm. uh, Marcus Collins for Eagleville. Collins will also yes. play a lot of safety. These guys are going to play a lot of two way football too. It's one thing you will see in one A, two A, and three A. You'll see a lot of two way players and. The quarterbacks actually get involved in that quite a bit down here. Yeah, and you brought up Marcus Collins for Eagleville. He's a baller. I mean, he he's he's great on both sides of the ball, and I think that uh, he's really going to be the star. Uh, he is the straw that stirs the drink uh, for Eagleville. And you look at Albritton for Gordonsville. You know, this is a kid that came up his eighth grade year after he led his eighth grade team to the junior high championship. He comes up to the varsity team and actually plays about four games, and he's the starter at quarterback by the end of his eighth grade year. So, you know, he's one of those kids as he goes into his junior year. Man, look at all the experience he has already. And, uh, you know, he's a gunslinger at quarterback. He, he's got some wheels he can move and a good uh, player in that defensive secondary as well. Yeah, I think the, the biggest question for them may be just how they replace Daryl Holt in the backfield. Yeah, Holt was, a big, Holt was a big force in the backfield for Gordonsville last year, and uh, replacing his production is going to be key for them. Absolutely. They've got some good skill players that, uh, much like Albritton, have been playing since they were young. You know, Coach Clemens got those guys out there when they were young. But, yeah, Holt, tremendous athlete. Uh, really, he had stepped away from football, came back, but he had a tremendous a- impact on them last year. That does it for Class 1A. Let's go ahead and jump into, into Class 2A where we're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of changes here as well. We'll start in Region 4 with a region that didn't actually have a ton of changes, but it had a couple of swaps. And, and the 2020 standings kind of been the last couple of years just like this. Watertown and Troustle County won two again. And they did it all four years of this of this of the last <laughs> format and may very well do it again. Uh, West Warren was third, Cascade fourth, Jackson County fifth, East Robertson was sixth, with well, Trousdale County getting one step away from the Blue Cross Bowl, but Meigs County got them for the second year in a row. And, you know, the natives are getting a little bit restless. They want a taste of a title again. It's been eight years. Well, that's a formidable team, though, Meigs County. I'd, and they, they've done a good job getting to uh, getting as far as they, they have the last few years. 
there's some pieces they're going to have to replace that's going to be really interesting. But again, you know, my question is, does that uh, regular season curse still hold? Last three years, Watertown's won the regular season game. Trousdale County's won the playoffs. So maybe maybe you try to reverse that by going in the other direction. I don't know. (laughs) One big change in this region is that Trousdale County-Watertown game. It was in week three for the last four years. It now moves to week 11. So essentially your regular season championship comes in the last week of the year. And, and that's the way it should be, really. I mean, uh, that game was, the, I believe, the first region game of the season for both, playing it a week three. And uh, it kind of killed the suspense for the rest of the regular season because Watertown and Trousdale County were such prohibitive favorites over the remainder of the region. You kind of knew how it was going to play out. But, hey, credit Trousdale County. They bounce right back each year in the playoffs. And I know very frustrating for Watertown. They want to get over that hump. They want their shot at Megs or or Marion or whoever happens to come out of there. But, uh, uh, you know, Watertown's been slowly building up. I look for that to be another excellent ball game in Week 11. Yep, for sure. And and going on the road and winning in the playoffs, too, is impressive enough in its own right. So, you know, it adds a little bit to the, to the accomplishment in the playoffs when you do get revenge like that. Some of the changes for Region 4 this year, Jackson County up and out. They're going to 3A. Cascade comes into Region 5 from Region 6. Or Reed comes actually check that Cascade moves to Region Five. Sometimes I can't read my own stuff. <laughs> Harpeth and Wise Creek drop from three A to two A, and both get into Region Four this year. And we mentioned obviously the Watertown Trousdale County moving from Week Three to Week Eleven. So the new alignment looks like this with East Robertson, Harpeth, Trousdale County, Watertown, Westmoreland, and Whites Creek making up the new Region Four of Class Two A. I mentioned some key games. Of course, that big one at the bottom, Watertown, Trousdale County, stands out. But Watertown's going to have to figure out how to get there because East Robertson has eyes on a lot of improvement this year, especially with Taylor Groves leading the charge for that offense and defense, for that matter. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Scott. No, no, you go go right ahead. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, that East Robertson team—they—they've slowly been building it, and uh, they're hungry. You know, they've—they've uh, they've been getting closer and closer, and. Um, I think they're going to have something to say. They're not going to be a cakewalk uh, for both either Watertown or Trousdale County, I don't think. And uh, I'm always keeping my eye on Westmoreland. They're just a team that sometimes can can scare you to death. And, uh, you know, they're always a well-coached team. They've always got something out there. So uh, be just keep an eye on that Westmoreland team, and let's just see how much trouble they can give uh, the two big teams in Watertown and Trousdale as well. Yeah, you, you brought up Westmoreland. You know, half that team is seniors. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, those kids have been there. I think that uh, they they've got it in them to make a run this year. But uh, you know, I, I still like Watertown with Braden Casino uh, still back there at quarterback. Uh, even though uh, you know they've lost uh, Quinteria Shoes Malone, and uh, I'm sure Trouzo Candy is glad to see him go. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that again, once again, it's going to come down. Watertown, Trousdale County. Uh, my question is: Is uh, Trousdale County's offense can they, uh, you know, what are they going to look like? Yeah, that was a big question coming into 2021, and I mean they they didn't score a ton of points last year, so they've got to figure out a way to to not put so much pressure on their own defense to win games. And that's going to be one key for this region. Can can Trousdale County's offense outscore people? And that's kind of been the M.O. for them for the last couple of years. Their defense has been tremendous, and Coach Satterfield uh, does an excellent job on that side of the ball, but the offense just seems to have struggled to find an identity. You do have an experienced quarterback back there 
Keenan Burnley is a good dual-threat type quarterback. You're also going to see him uh, play a big role on the defensive side of the ball as well. And, uh, you know, Scott, I think it was you that said, or one of you two guys said something about uh, they're hungry. Eight years is a long time, folks, for Trousdale County to go without a state championship. So, um, to, needless to say, the heat is on. But uh, Coach Satterfield, he's got a lot of experience back. A, a really good team, I think, should challenge for that 2A goal ball this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if one of those two teams can get over the hump and, and get to Chattanooga. I mean, Trousdale County did make the title game in 2018, but they lost. And, you know, when you lose a championship, it, it stings even worse. So this long title drought in Hartsville, it, they're, they're getting a little hungry for it. So we'll be interesting to see how they handle this year. And and I think Trousdale County might be there at the end, but Watertown will have something to say about it, especially in week 11. Move on to region five, where – Eagleville drops out and Mount Pleasant takes their place. Pretty much a trade of sorts. 2020, Lewis County won the region, but Region 5 didn't fare too well in the playoffs with only two teams even getting out of the first round. So changes in Region 5. So community is up to Class 3A. Mount Pleasant and Richland move up to 2A and come into Region 5. Eagleville's out. They move to 1A, as we mentioned earlier. And Lewis County goes out from Region 5 to Region 6 in Class 2A. So here's how Region 5 looks now. Cascade Forest, Loretto, Mount Pleasant, Richland, and Summertown make up this new region. Guys, thoughts? Well, I, I think Mount Pleasant uh, has has got a real good chance of uh, of making a play for third. I don't I don't know if they can quite get up to uh, a home game yet. Uh, I know that Kit Hartsfield's uh, got 15 uh, starters returning, but he's only got four seniors on that squad. So you know, I, I still think that they may be a a, a year away. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how much uh, how much passing the team does. Uh, you know, the Strayhorn is a gifted runner, um, but he's going to have to develop skill position players, in my opinion. It looks to me like everything that I've seen from Mount Pleasant, they are trying to tout speed of the skill positions more than anything else. And and in one A or two A, if you have speed. It could be a big, a big advantage. So I mean, they may be able to, you know, cause some problems in this region, even though it's still going to be a climbing effort for them out of last place. And you know, you mentioned Coach Hartsfield. He comes from Blackman, and uh, boy, he's seen his share of speed playing in those Murfreesboro teams. But uh, he knows what it takes to win. Again, kind of a slower paced game. You're going to see typically in a two A classification. You know, I look at Forest. That's another team that uh, is going to have a shot to win this region this year. And uh, uh, Forest, you know, we were talking about Watertown and Trousdale and their rivalry. It was just a few years ago when those two teams, Forest and Watertown, shared a region. And, uh, uh, you know, they really had it going at that time and had the football program really humming along. And uh, I think they dropped a step back the last couple of years. But uh, keep an eye on Forest. I think that might be a team that uh, that bears watching this year in 5-2A. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be real Interesting to see how how they kind of funnel things out in, in Region Five. Um, with only one team in our area in that region, though, it's a little a little tougher to get some info from some teams at right. some point. But uh, we'll be we'll be keeping an eye on Mount Pleasant because you know, Kid Hart's still coming over from from Blackman. One of the many coaching changes in the area this year. I think we had I believe eighteen coaches out of the of the like the eighty nine that we cover now that that changed this year, which is a significant number. To begin with, I mean, you don't usually have a lot of coaching turnover, but I think 2020 kind of changed some things. On to Class 3A, which has quite a bit of movement of its own. 
And we start in Region 4, where the biggest change for those teams is the fact that Opperman is no longer there. The 2020 region champion in Region 4, Opperman going to 4A after an 8-4 finish. But they didn't have a lot of luck in the playoffs. They only lost they lost in the second round, and everybody else got knocked out in round one. So, really, how does this group, how do the teams that, that stayed over, well, you see some of the changes. Upperman up, community up, York Institute drops to 2A. Smith County goes from Region 4 to Region 5. Giles County goes from Region 5 to Region 4. So the teams that are left, Cannon County, Community, Giles County, Grundy County, Sequatchie County, the way this alignment sets up, Cannon County, our only team in this region, they actually, I think, get a big benefit from, from some of these teams leaving. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump right in on that and just uh, say I, I know it, it's been since 2009 that Cannon County has been in the playoffs, and uh, uh, that's you know a long drought for them. They're hungry for playoffs. Coach Matt Daniel, he's really been building things the right way there in Woodbury, and uh, I, I think he's got to be breathing a bit of a sigh of relief to see Upperman going, uh, to see Smith County going uh, to different regions. Um, this seems to be a more competitive region for Cannon County. You know, Giles typically always a good football team. Sequatchie's always well coached. They're tough. Uh, but, you know, three, four, five there, it could be anything goes. And Grundy County, they've struggled. New head coach there, and they've really had a lot of issues with that program in recent years. I think Cannon's got a great shot to, to get their first playoff berth in 12 years. Oh, I agree. I think that they are primed and ready to go here. I think uh, Coach Matt Daniels uh, – He's got depth. Uh, he's got a returning quarterback in Harrison Carr. Uh, I think uh, you're right. I think their big test is going to be the, the Sequatchie County game. The great thing about them is they've only got to find one. They have to win one game basically to get in, and, and that's their that's their shot. And you look at some of the key games, you know, Sequatchie County, we mentioned that one against Cannon County. Or community in Giles County. Cannon and Grundy on October 1st is a good shot for them as well. So – They'll have their opportunity to to make some to make some people happy down there at Woodbury and, and get some November football for the first time in a long time. And I know that uh, Cannon County would be excited just to get in. And you know they've missed the playoffs each of the last two years in the final game by one point. And uh, boy, just to be that close that you can taste it. And uh, they're going to be motivated. Uh, you know, like you said, Scott, this is a team that's got some players back. They've got some. Um, They've got some pretty good size. That's one thing about Coach Matt Daniel. He's got these kids working hard in the weight room. They're strong up front. This is going to be a team I think is going to be really good in the trenches. That's going to pay off for them. They've got some experience at quarterback. And uh, look for them to make some noise there. I think they've got a real good shot to to really surprise some people there in 4-3-A. Yep. Some of the movement, though, that came out of Region 4 goes over to Region 5. And Region 5 last year was an all-metro region, with the exception of Giles County. But Pearl Cone lost in the semifinals to Milan, and now Pearl Cone is moving to 4A. So it, it opens a lot in Class 3A, especially on the western half of that bracket. You know, you don't have to worry about fighting with Pearl Cone for a playoff spot. Jackson County moves up into 3A. Maplewood moves down into Class 3A from 4A, and then Whites Creek is out. They move down to 2A. And then you've got Smith County and Giles County swapping regions, which – Actually, where did I put that? Okay. Anyway, so the region looks like this. It's got Stratford, East Nashville, Smith County, Jackson County, and Maplewood. Those five teams. Another five-team region where one win gets you in. So the question I want to pose to you guys, is anybody going to lose to Jackson County? <laughs> 
for Jackson County. And, uh, you know, they were really doing some pretty good things in Region 4-2A and uh, kind of makes you scratch your head moving up to 3A. And uh, I know geography sometimes plays into that. But uh, uh, Jackson County, they're, they're going to have their hands full this year. And, you know, Smith County's got some good size this year. New coach in Matt Dyer, but, you know, Coach Dyer's no stranger to high school football, obviously. His dad coached at Smith County back in the 90s, so familiarity there. But the thing Smith County's always struggled with, particularly come playoff time, when they go and they meet up with a lot of these metro area schools, East Nashville's a good example, just the speed element, the, the total athletes that these uh, that these schools were able to develop. Smith County's had issues with that. How will they fare this year in this region, you know, going up against East, going up against Maplewood, Stratford? It's going to be a whole lot different than it was in 4-3-A. Yeah, for certain. But at least you get that element in the in the regular season you can prepare for it instead of waiting to the playoffs where it hits you all at once. Yeah. So. And to answer your question, uh, Chris, uh, it's not likely. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks to be a, a, a it looks to be a two team race at the top of East Nashville and Stratford, and that September third game is going to be critical for for both those teams. I think you, the winner is going to win this region, to me. And Smith County and, and Maplewood will be playing for third place. That's just kind of how I see this playing out. You know, East Nashville and Stratford. East Nashville has their sights on some big things this year, with Procone leading to go to four A. The East Nashville they've got a shot for. Head coach Jamal Stewart in his second year, and they could have a really, really big year over there. Oh yeah, that that team is is loaded. Eight defensive starters, eight offensive starters returning. Biggest question is going to be quarterback. You know, how do you replace Kwame Jemison? Uh, uh, you know, Zach Beard's going to take uh, going to take over there. Uh, if he can, if he he's not going to replicate it, but if he can step in and and manage that position right he's got good wide receivers there but i want to look at that october 1st game because i don't think that's a gimme uh, you know matt dyer's got some speed and the biggest kid i've ever seen uh in six foot nine 355 dane woodard uh, the kid is just massive i mean he's a man among boys out there and I think that uh, Matt has stacked this team up pretty good with size. Um, you know, and, and knowing Coach Dyer, these kids are going to be ready to play. Yeah, I think that Smith County, under the right circumstances, could give Stratford a game here. And they may, if they do, then they may end up with the inside track at a home game. Maybe so. I just I don't know if they'll be able to keep up with Cameron Davis, the quarterback, and Darker Perkins McAllister at safety for Stratford. They've got two legitimate college talents at those positions. It's going to be hard-pressed for Smith County to keep up with those two teams in front of them in East Nashville and Stratford just because of the talent that they're going to have on both sides of the ball. Smith County is still kind of in that real rebuilding phase, and I know Matt Dyer personally. I know he's he's invested in this program. He played there in the early 2000s. He'll have this program in the right direction in a couple of years. I don't know that year one is going to be it for them, though, just because of the competition that they have in front of them. I, I I can see that, and uh, I think that uh, they've definitely got some work to do on the offensive side, uh, uh, especially uh, let's uh, with their their passing game because they they're going to have to be multifaceted. Uh, it's not a you know it's not a gimme, but I I do think that that October first game could be something to see. Yep. And I think for Smith County, the key in any game against a Stratford is going to be your ball control. And I think your size comes back to that. They've got uh, 11 guys that are going to see action in the trenches that average 260 pounds. And, of course, Scott mentions uh, 
Dane Woodard. I mean, that's just a monster out there. Then you've got uh, Javier Gaspar, who's also 6'2", about three, 335, 340. That's another big kid. Uh, you know, if they can control that line of scrimmage, that slow the tempo of the game down, that does favor them. And, uh, you know, the passing attack's not what they've had in years past, but they've got a good little quarterback in Johnny Lida. He's a heady player. He's a, he's a good dual-threat quarterback. And they've got some kids in those skill positions you know, they've gotten some work, and I know they've struggled a bit the last couple of years, but uh, Coach Dyer, with his enthusiasm and his passion, I think they could give a Stratford a, a run for that second-place spot. It's going to be very hard to beat East, I think, but uh, I still think number two could be up for grabs as well. All right. Good stuff there, guys. Region 6 and 3A has some changes within it as well. Look at the standings from 2020. Stewart County beat Fairview in the last week of the season to win that region title. Those two teams returned in this region for 2021, but there's a lot of change beyond it, and some of those changes include White House and White House Heritage moving down from 4A to 3A, Waverly coming up to Class 3A, Harpeth and Camden moving down to Class 2A, and this region now goes to seven teams for 2021 with Fairview, Stewart County, Cheatham County sticks around, Sycamore, Waverly, White House, and White House Heritage. Guys, this could be a fun little region to look at just because – Fairview and Stewart County can't think that they're going to be one two if they don't if they don't watch out. Yeah, this this could get bloody. I mean, honestly, that you could see a lot of teams beating up on each other here, and and really confusing uh, the situation. You have you're right, Chris. You have one off week, and you could find yourself in that fifth slot. Look at some of the kills go. Let's look at some of those key games. I can't even talk right now. <laughs> You're excited. I know. I'm ready to go for this. Region <laughs> six key games. Let's try this again. September 3rd, Stewart County and Fairview, a rematch of that week 11 game from last year, but they opened the region schedule with them with each other now, which is unfortunate because it's a big game and they're going to play it in week three. Yeah, that's, that's a huge, uh, you know, in past years, that would have been, and it still could be for the for the region, and it's going to be anticlimactic, at the, you know, at the early part of the season. Well, I say that right after I said, you know, carnage. Um. <laughs> well, you always like to see these matchups toward the end of the season. I know you can't always get them scheduled that way, but uh, but like you say, this is the first region game right out of the gate, but it could set the tone, and uh, whoever loses this game, they have little to no room for error, especially if they want a home playoff game. Two teams to watch out for are the White House schools, both White House and White House Heritage. And I think both of them have their sights set on bigger things than just making the playoffs in this region. I mean, they, they have eyes on challenging for this region title. Um, I had a couple of players message me that said, don't sleep on White House. So <laughs> they mention them. And, and they play their crosstown rival on October 29th. And it's a good way to end the regular season with a rival like that. And it have, could have a lot of implications on a lot of teams. Well, Rain and Blackburn's back, and whenever you have Rain and Blackburn, you've got a chance. Uh, he, he's a heck of a player, and another one of those, Chris, that you're talking about was a, is a two-way star. Um, you know, anytime he touches the ball, he can take it to the house. Uh, but, you know, I, I like this White House Heritage team. I, I think that, you know, even though they only have one starter returning, the new guys have size, and I think, Coach Dickerson has really got these guys turning, uh, turning a corner here, in you know, and getting it going. And they got uh, Malachi Alaramendi. Gosh, I hope I pronounced that right. Um, Actually, yeah. Uh, you know, 
Fun kid. He was uh, a player of the week for us uh, last year. Last season, yeah. Last season. Um, uh, he's a he's a pounder, but he's got uh, good speed. Uh, so that's going to be a fun game. I agree. I think the White House Heritage White House game is going to be absolutely fun, and I think it's going to be meaningful at that point. Now, we sat in on Williamson County Schools Media Day, and Fairview was there, and I asked Chris Hughes about you know, the uniforms in, that they're going to be wearing because they typically wear their highlighter yellow uniforms every week, and they, they generally play them, wear those on the road. So when they go to White House, that could be a – a visual matchup for the ages because of the, the white house traditional blue and white against Fairview's highlighter yellow. Uh, that could always be a fun, a fun thing to watch. And he, they're getting turf this year. The yellow jacket is going to have turf for the first time this year. They wanted highlighter yellow turf and they couldn't get it, which you know, would have been cool, but they're still getting turf. So and that, it's a big deal for them. Might've been well, Boise State, they might have blended in so well. That it certainly would have been a big-time home field advantage for them. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, you know, Chris, you mentioned the media day. Uh, it, it seemed to you like these guys have a long memory and a bad taste in their mouth from last year? They do because they were cruising along for the longest time, and Fairview loses Logan Nardozzi late in the year, and then they lose to Stewart County, and then East Nashville plucks some of the first round of the playoffs, and uh, it, it, that hurt them. That hurt them because they looked like they had a chance to make a, a fairly decent run. Yeah, and that's a good question. Who 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 fills in that role? I know that uh, Clavenger is is looking like it, uh, another one of those two way players because he's a monster defensive end. Uh, but he, you know, you just don't replace a Logan Nardozzi. No, you really don't. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be uh, this team. I think defensively is just really really stacked. Yeah, that, that's going to be a big key because they, they can score a lot of points, but they gave up quite a few last year. And I, I know Chris Hughes is going to want to have some of those points back. So being able to stop teams is going to be key for Fairview, especially in this region. Stewart County obviously wants to win it again. Uh, Waverly may have something to say about that as well. But uh, to me, it comes down to Fairview and, and can they control what they can control. And that, that's that's the thing. And, and truthfully, uh, going back to that September 3rd game, you know, I don't know that I would want to play Fairview early in the season when they have all that bad stuff in their memory. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. That's a great point. I mean, you know, the kids that are staying around from last year, they're going to come into week three hungry and, and, a, and a bit angry too. So they may very well try to take it out on Stewart County. I wouldn't be surprised. So that'll be an interesting watch for this region to, to really kind of set the tone for the rest of the year. But I come back to that White House Heritage and White House game just because it's a crosstown rivalry. And I remember the first time that they actually played each other. They played at Vanderbilt the first two years, if I believe, if I remember right. The first time they played at White House was so tough to get a ticket to. You, you almost couldn't because they were so amped up about a city rivalry coming back home. And you know, I don't know that it'll be maybe a madhouse atmosphere this year, but it'll be a night. It'll be a good night to be over there for regular season finale for for those two teams and the, it could be a lot on the line of that game and, and one to watch out for as we go through the year yeah i expect there to be a lot on the line in that game to be honest and uh you know scott mentioned look out look out for white house don't sleep on them maybe just to keep them in the back of your mind there but they got a lot of upperclassmen coming back this year and uh i don't think a lot of people are looking at white house everybody is looking at fairview and stewart county right now and uh 
So the two White House teams, they're kind of flying under the radar here a little bit. And, uh, uh, you know, White House Heritage, as you mentioned, they've been building patiently toward getting to, to a point they want to be where they think they can be really competitive. This year might be that year where they they start surprising some people. So to me, that October 29th game, that could very well have some serious playoff implications on it. You factor that in with an inner city rivalry. Chris, that may just be a tough ticket to get that night. You never know, just depending on what's all on the line that night. I mean, those are those are two pride programs as far as their football goes. And you know, when they tack when they when they play one another, it's a tough ticket anyway. I mean, it's a fun night between those two teams for sure. So Region six is going to be interesting, and it's one of those that uh, you know we'll we'll be keeping an eye on all year, as far as who might be going to the playoffs and who might not be, along with the rest of the regions in in, in every class in, in the Middle Tennessee area. So, good time to be a high school football fan because it's getting really really interesting, Scott. And uh, one way for people to be able to support coverage of high school football, we've talked about this a little bit before. This is Stadium Club, so why don't you tell us about the Stadium Club and some of the benefits? Well, great. Uh, yeah, the Stadium Club is uh, uh, is for our supporters. It's uh, $5 a month or $50 a year. It is prorated this year. So if you get in now, it's uh, $25 because it rolls over and starts again in January. In that, you get 10% off of merchandise, um, our T-shirts, uh, our hats, and, and we have more merch uh, coming uh, as we continue to develop. Uh, you also get um, to vote on uh, members' uh, polls. Uh, if we have live streams, you'll get the private invitation to that. Um, you get to have your name listed as a Stadium Club supporter at the end of the uh, video. If we had some signed up now, it would be running across the bottom as we exit. And then you get a free gift from us every six months. Now, how great is that? You get a free gift from us every six months. So it's just Christmas comes twice a year. Um, so, you know, all this, you know, for five dollars a month. And what you're doing is uh, you're helping to support high school football in the uh, our our 15 county area. Um, you know, you're helping to you know with uh, you know support us by allowing us to get out there to more games. Uh, with better equipment and and just do more to highlight the kids in this area. Back to you, Chris. Well, a couple of ways you can uh, support us too. We can you can Venmo us, you can PayPal us, or you can send us a good old fashioned paper check. You know those things I don't like to write. They still have those. <laughs> I don't know. I I haven't they seen do. one. They uh, do. Scott can confirm yeah. it though. So yes, my my uh, my accountant uh, is, is uh, firmly believes in those things still. <laughs> but for more information on the stadium club <laughs> but for more information on the stadium club you can email us at 615preps at gmail.com and we'll tell you more about it we'll answer your questions how, how you want to pay doesn't matter but uh hop in now's a good time and 2021 is gonna be a fun year and we're excited to bring it to you throughout the year on youtube which is the first time we've actually done one of these on youtube so uh guys tell me how you thought about all this does it does it work for you does it not no, Chris, it's terrible. I hate it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can't reach through the computer and get me now. Um, oh, man, you're right you about it. I can't throw a shoe at you. Yeah, I know, and you were getting so good with your aim last year. Yeah, a couple <laughs> of good shots. Well, I got to yeah. say, after 11 years of TV and sitting here tonight, I have come to realize for certain I have a face made for radio. So, uh, 
<laughs> Otherwise, it's been great. And, uh, hey, I'm excited about the, the new venture for myself and uh, just the season coming up. And, uh, you know, I think everybody's amped up more about football at all levels. But uh, it's always good to see people amped up about high school football because, uh, you know, the kids still playing it for the love of the game. I just I want to see a great season. And uh, I think we're going to have a whole lot of fun this year. There's nothing like Friday night football anywhere, nothing. and especially around here. You know, there's just something special about going to the, going to the field on a Friday night. You know, especially when it gets colder and and the temperature drops a little bit in October, and you know, it, it just it just is a special thing. And and I'm glad to be able to help cover it more. And you know, I'm excited about this year. I know you guys are, and, and folks listening and watching on YouTube, I hope you guys are too. So you know, enjoy the ride. Uh, thank you all for joining us. For our first preview show, we're going to have three more of these before we get into our normal weekly cadence. Um, just follow us on social media at Twitter at 615preps. And you can see our handles are next to our names on the screen. I'm at Brooks underscore 615. Scott's at S. Burton 615. Tom is at Tom R. Duggan, all on Twitter. He follows us on Instagram as well and Facebook. But most importantly, like and subscribe right here on YouTube because this is where everything's going to happen throughout the 2021 season, and you don't want to miss it. So, like, and make and sure you. I'm sorry, Chris. Make sure you click that bell just to, as what you were saying there. That way, you won't. It'll remind you when you click that bell to that uh, we have new content. And it makes Scott happy when you click the bell. It <laughs> does every time. Uh, every time a bell rings. Uh, well, I just get happy. Uh, let's just leave it at that. that. All right. That's all the time we got for our first preview show in class one, two, and three. A. Our next episode will be classes four and five A, and we'll come your way very, very soon. So stay tuned for that. For Tom, for Scott, I'm Chris. Thank you for watching 615 Preps, Mid State 48, where we get you ready for the Friday night football in 48 minutes or less. <laughs>